0: So I want you to think with me for a second. This shouldn't be too difficult for you to think through. Think about the places you have driven to recently. So very recently, just pick a few. Maybe it was driving home. Maybe it was driving to work. Maybe it was driving to a restaurant or a grocery store. You got a few places in mind, places that you've driven recently. Great. I will make the assumption that you made it to that destination. And I'm also going to make the assumption of Why you made it to that final destination, how you made it to that location, had everything to do with the directions you took, right? You took the right roads, and so you got to where you wanted to go. Every street you turned on either took you closer to that location, or it took you further away from that location. See, every single, in our driving life, every single road you take matters, Every single turn you take makes a difference. We've been going through the book of Proverbs, studying these different themes out of Proverbs, and we've seen that be the same case in our own lives. Every single choice we make, every decision we take matters, because every single choice takes us down a very specific road. Every choice you make, it matters. Matters. John Maxwell said it this way. He said, life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. I love that. We are where we are today because of choices we have made, good and bad. Every choice we make, are you hearing me say this over and over again? It matters. So if our choices matter, if it's that big of a deal, if every turn we make, every decision we make, every choice we make takes us someplace specific, we have to spend time talking about how do we make choices. How do I know what choice to make? What's the filters for making wise decisions and wise choices? Proverbs, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be all throughout Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 14 will kind of set us up for it today. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. This is a very sobering verse. It says that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? Oh, I, I thought it was right. I figured this was the right way. And well, it ended up being wrong. A way that appeared to be right, but in the end leads to death. Go over just a couple other chapters to chapter 16. Chapter 16, we see something a little bit similar. Verse 25 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Did that sound familiar? It's the exact same thing. <laughs> You've got to wake up, if you hear the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs, the book written on wisdom, when he says something in chapter 14, and then he says literally, word for word, the exact same thing two chapters later, it should be, oh, that's kind of important. (laughs) It's, wait, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. It was so important, he said the same thing twice. So our choices matter, don't they? Because oftentimes we get stuck with that. I can relate to both of those verses that said the exact same thing. Well, I thought this was right. It seemed like the best choice. It seemed, right? I mean, other people, right? We got all the excuses of why it seemed right. It appeared right. But then we find out this isn't where I wanted to be. We end up there and we're like, well, I didn't mean to end up here. There's a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. Our choices matter every single decision and choice we make it makes a difference so here's what i'm hoping we can do today together is instead of making decisions based on what i feel like or what i'm thinking of or in the moment we would be willing to take a step back and say god what do you think is right Not what do i think is right god what do you think is right which direction do you want me to go and now we're seeking godly wisdom not just what brian thinks in the moment not just what feels right in the moment, not just what I think I should do right here and right now. It's seeking God's direction. So let's pray right now and ask for that. Jesus, we come before you and we would ask that we would put out of our heart and out of our mind what we think for just a little bit that we would listen to your word, not the words of anyone or anything else, but for the next few moments, we would only listen to your direction and your words and your instructions and your desires for us. Oh, that's my heart, that we would hear from you. Silence the other voices so we can clearly and loudly hear from you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk through those choices. What are the godly decisions or the wise choices we can make? Almost a filter to think through. And we see five of them in Proverbs chapter 3. So that's where we're going to be the rest of our time. Proverbs chapter 3, we see five different choices that we should be making. Now, here's what I'm hoping happens with you personally, whether you're online or here in the room. It's going to feel like a lot, like five. Man, you want me to remember five choices in just a few minutes? Uh, No. I want you to be listening for that one that you're like, ooh, that's me right now. Like right here, right now, like that's the choice that I have to make. That one I can forget about the other four. I'm not going to quiz you on it. That one I needed today and in this season of my life. So that's what I want you to be listening for. you got to listen to all five. You're stuck with me for about another 20 minutes. But I want you to be listening for God to speak to you on what's that one choice You need to make let me read through them and then we're going to go back and talk through all five proverbs chapter 3 starting in verse 5 Trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him And he will make your paths straight Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the lord and shun evil This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Did you catch all five of them right there? <laughs> all five choices are right there. So let's go back through them. I want you to pay attention to those five, but again, you're listening for that one for you. Nod like you hear me, give me a thumbs up online. Listen for that one choice, God is whispering in your ear. Let's go back to the top. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? My own, what was the word? My own understanding. So I'm supposed to trust in the Lord with everything I have, but not lean on my own understanding. Here's the choice. I will choose, ready? I will choose trust over understanding. I will choose trusting in God Over my understanding, three kids, most of you know that now that it's summer, we like probably many parents, at least I like to tell myself that many parents do this during the summer, we flex our bedtimes for our kids, right? During the school year, it's pretty strict bedtimes. We do a pretty good job of staying with that. As soon as summer hits, it's like I run out of good reasons to send them to bed because it's always, well, you got to wake up early for school and all this. And they're like, we don't have school. I mean, it's been like that for like, what, four months, so now we've flexed our bedtimes a little bit with them, but still, for a seven, five, and three-year-old, there must be a bedtime, if for no other reason, for the sanity of my wife and I. So we tell our kids, it's time for bed. Yes, you get to stay up a little bit later, but now is bedtime. And without fail, those kids look at me, my oldest especially, and he says two words to me, but why? You get the but is at home? but why? And so I'm a good dad and I've raised my kids. I want you to ask questions, which I think was a mistake. I'm still in the middle of my parenting here. So those of you that are veteran parents, you might say, yeah, you don't let your kids ask questions. So we'll be learning through that one. So he said, you know, we want you to ask questions. So he says, but why? So I give a good explanation. I said, well, here's why you need to go to bed, your health, my sanity. He looks at me, thinks about it. Well, but why? Why? So then I give another really good explanation of why we need to go to bed and he still needs to have a bedtime. But why? And so I give another explanation. But why? But why? But why? And I finally, I lose it. I say, Connor, you do not need to understand why. You need to go to bed. (laughs) He does not need to understand. He's not going to fully understand. That's okay. Because as his dad, I'm hoping, maybe this is wishful thinking more than hoping, I'm hoping that he'll say, My dad's a pretty smart guy. He cares for me. My dad loves me. My dad knows all kinds of things, except animals. We talked about that a couple weeks ago if you were here for that one. So I'm gonna trust my dad that if he says now is bedtime, I'm gonna trust that that's the best thing for me. I wish my son would say that, but he doesn't. He just constantly says, but why? But why? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not, what was the word again? On my own understanding. So often, We're relying on our own understanding. We're saying, God, but why? God, but why? And he's saying, would you trust me? You're not gonna fully understand. You can't fully understand. You're not going to try, you're not gonna be able to fully understand, so would you trust me? When we say trust in the Lord, trust in God, that's have confidence in God. It's trusting that he is good. It's trusting that he knows more than me and you. It's trusting that he knows what's best for me and you trust in the Lord. Isaiah says it this way. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter 55. For my thoughts, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God is declaring, you're not going to understand me. You're not gonna get everything that I do. You're not gonna understand every decision I make. So would you be willing to trust me instead of fighting to always understand? See, something that I've come to grips with, I'm not saying I do this perfectly, but it's something that I filter through in my heart and my mind as regularly as possible, is that my trust in God is not determined on my ability to understand God. That my trust in God really has nothing to do with how much I understand of God or even of my current life situations. We could all go around the room and online and say, well, man, I don't understand why this is happening in my life, and I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why God did this or why God didn't do that. We all have the but whys. And I don't have a great answer for you other than trust in the Lord with all your heart. If If you want some homework this week, Read through Job 38 through 42. Read through those chapters, Job 38 through 42. You will have a fantastic perspective of what it means to trust and not fully understand. Let me give you a question to start wrestling with. We're gonna wrestle through a lot of questions today. Here it is. What am I struggling to understand? What is that for you? What am I, what are you struggling to understand? If you can identify that, that's gonna help you recognize, here's an area I need to lean in and trust a little bit more. What area, what am I currently struggling to understand? So we choose to trust over understand. Let's look at the next one. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Here's the choice. I will choose surrender over control. That first part of the verse, I will submit. I need you to do this with me. Everybody here in the room online, hold your hands out like this, drop what you're doing. This is what submitting or surrendering looks like. You're saying, I'm not holding on to it I'm going to give whatever up to align my heart, my decisions, my will, my thoughts, my everything. I'm gonna change and bend towards God. You can only do that with open hands, right? This is what surrendering and submitting looks like. Now do this for me, 10 and two, if you've done the driving school, 10 and two. This is what control looks like. If we're gonna choose surrender over control, control says, "No, no, 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 I'm not letting go. Control says, I'm gonna do everything possible to make sure I stay at the wheel. Control says, I'm gonna hang on because I want to do everything I can to force whatever outcome I want. That's what this does. But we have to choose this over that. Surrender, choosing surrender over control. It's a hard one though, isn't it? Because we love trying our best to control the outcomes? Can I give you just a little maybe word of encouragement? Would you be willing to abandon your outcome to God? Let God take care of it. That's what this looks like. Abandon the outcomes to God. Control says, no, no, I got to be in control so I can make this work. Surrender says, man, this is out of my control. I'm going to let God take care of it because that's exactly what he says he'll do. In all your ways, submit to him, surrender to him, and I will make your paths straight. See, the life of a Christian, life of following Jesus, is surrendering to the point where you are desperately dependent on God. That's what a life like this looks like. That doesn't sound very appealing sometimes, doesn't it? I'm gonna to surrender to the point where I am desperately dependent on God. That's where we try to get to. That's why we surrender. There's a verse in 1 Peter that speaks, oh man, we love this verse. We say it, we have probably said it more times in the last four months than any other time is my guest here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's a great verse, isn't it? Oh, it's heartwarming, it's helpful, it's inspiring. God cares for me, he loves me, he's gonna take my anxieties and my stresses away from me. That sounds awesome. You missed a verse though. Do you know what the verse right before that is? That one doesn't go on the coffee mugs and the (laughs) t-shirts. The one right before that is this, verse six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Verse seven, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I have no idea how you can cast your anxiety on God. You can let him have the worries that you have if you're still doing this. I don't know how you can do that. Right, We're, We get anxious, we get stressed when we try to control that that is outside of our control. And so here, God in all of his wisdom is like, no, no, surrender to me. Humble yourselves before me. It's my timing. It's my will. I'm going to take care of it. And then you can put all those anxieties on me. Put all those worries on me. Instead of being here, we naturally go to here when things get rough. The bumpy road happens and we go to take control. Control says, I've got this. Surrender says, God, you've got me. Make the choice. Surrender over control. Here's the question for you to wrestle with. What am I still trying to control? Keyword, trying. Because <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> right? We try so hard to, to maintain control and it's just spinning out of control. What are you still trying to control? That might give you insight, into where you need to surrender here's the next one do not be wise in our own eyes we're gonna talk about eyes but fear the lord and shun evil do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and shun evil here's the choice we've talked about this a lot this shouldn't be new news to you i will choose right over wrong i will choose right over wrong there is a right there is a wrong there is righteous and there is sinful Like we talked about earlier, there are decisions that will take you closer to God or move you further away from God. The choices we make matter, which is why we're having this conversation and studying this. There is a right and a wrong. Now, it's interesting here that we're told, don't be wise. What was the key word? In your own, say it with me, eyes. I think it's interesting that he chose to use the word eyes because our eyes get us in trouble, don't they? Our eyes cause us to wonder. We get distracted It's our eyes that we see something that is appealing, that we would desire, and so we move away from what was right, and our eyes lead us astray. Our eyes cause temptations, desires, entice us, and they drag us away from God. I want you to hear how Paul writes something very similar, different language a little bit, in Galatians chapter 5. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So he's already saying there is a right and wrong. You have the spirit and then you have the flesh. We have the sinful nature and then the spirit. He says, you gotta walk by the spirit or else you'll turn to the flesh and the desires. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. That makes sense. Not if that makes sense. Right doesn't work with wrong. Makes sense. Look at this next part, though. It says this. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That hurts. I'm an adult. I've earned my independence. I have my freedom. I don't have to have somebody tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want whenever I wanna do it. Not according to this. (laughs) It says, no, you are not to do whatever you want. Let me just say that one more time because I feel like that's a hard one to hear. You are not to do whatever you want. There is a right, there is a wrong. What will we choose? So Here's the question to wrestle through. What sin do I need to end? What sin do I need to end? The reason I, I have you asking yourself the question in that way is because of what Proverbs told us. Remember, it's not just be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord is rec- it's not being scared of God. Fearing the Lord is recognizing the authority of God. Recognizing that the right and wrong is because God is the ultimate authority on right and wrong. Again, it's not because I want to or I think this way or I feel this way. What's right and wrong has nothing to do with us on this. Understand that. It's because God, the ultimate authority, the creator of the universe, has determined right and wrong. That's the fear of the Lord. It says, so fear the Lord, recognize his authority, and then shun evil. Cut off anything that is not of God. Pastor Chris talked about that a few weeks ago. So what sin do you need to end? Choose right over wrong. Let's look at the next one. It says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Here's the choice. I will choose generosity over greed. I will choose generosity over greed. Now here specifically, it's talking about finances and money, right? To honor the Lord with your wealth. But this principle goes way beyond just money. It's whatever's been given to you and given to me. It's whatever God has chosen to give us and entrusted us with. The question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what are we going to do with what he has given me? Not just the money, but absolutely. But what about your time? What about your energy? What about your abilities and your talents? What about your resources? What about your experiences in life? What has God given you? And then what are you doing with them? That's the idea that, it, that we're getting here. If you go over in Proverbs just a little bit further, you see almost the exact same thing. We're told this, a generous person will prosper. Look at this though, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's an interesting dynamic. Jesus says something similar in Luke chapter six. He says, give and it will be given to you. In all three of these instances, two in Proverbs and one from Jesus's mouth is this idea of God has given me something so then I'm gonna give it to someone else and then I'm gonna get something back. And it's this back and forth. Whoever refreshes others is then refreshed. You see how that's working. Whatever you give, then you are given back to. It's this idea of back and forth. But we know that to be true. We've even said things similar, just maybe not in this language. If you volunteer in any capacity, right? In, in any organization or talk to one of the volunteers, one of the great volunteers at our church. And if you were to say, why do you volunteer? What do you get out of volunteering? I promise you, everyone is going to say something like, oh, I get so much more out of this than I think anybody else. That's why we do it. Right? Yes, it helps others and we serve because Jesus called us to serve and all of those other great reasons. But when we give, something happens in us. Something happens in our heart and our mind. That whole thing of he who refreshes others is then refreshed is true. It's not just poetic, it's true. When we give, something happens but we have to make the choice. It's kind of like playing catch. I do this with my kids all the time. Watch watch how this works. We're going to see how it works in the room. So if I have something and I give it to you, great. You get it. You give it back, great. Then I have it again and I'm going to pass it and then it passes right back, great. Then we pass one more time. Oh, let's just go one more time. Now I'm good. Take the ball and go home, right? There's the phrase. Well, everything stopped. Right? Everything was working fine when we were giving back and forth, but as soon as I decided to hold on to it, everything stopped. Let me just pose this little side question. What blessings might you have missed out on because you're still holding on to something else? Because you weren't willing to pass it off and then get something back, you decide, no, 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 I, I, this was has got to stay with me right now. It's a really tough season for us. We're just gonna buckle down and just hold. There will be another time where I can maybe do a little bit better, but like right now, I just need to hold on tight. Can I suggest you're missing out on something great that God wants to give back to you? So here's the question to wrestle with, to determine am I choosing currently generosity or greed? Here's the question, what am I holding on to? What am I still holding on to? And again, don't just think finances. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Where can you be more generous? Where is God calling you to give? What are you still holding tightly, too tightly onto? All right, here's our last one. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. It's this idea of discipline. So here's the choice we need to make. I will choose discipline over resentment. Discipline over resentment. Now, let's make sure we're on the same page. When I say the word discipline in context, discipline in this passage is speaking to corrective action. When we do something that is right or is wrong or it's in the wrong direction, and God has to redirect us, He has to discipline us, He has to move us, He has to change us, He has to correct us. That's the discipline that we're talking about here. But we have to choose to allow that discipline into our heart or we will choose resentment. Let me make one more thing clear about discipline. Discipline is not the same as punishment. Please hear that. God's discipline in your life is not the same as God punishing you. Hear this. The punishment has been paid. What Jesus did on the cross, that's the punishment. The punishment has been paid in full, but God's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. So yes, there's things in my life and in your life that he needs to correct and he needs to instruct and he needs us to change it. That's discipline. So yes, he's going to discipline us. Just like scripture says, it's what a father would do. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews in verses five and six actually quotes verbatim this very passage of Proverbs, talking about the, the discipline God gives his children, gives us. But then in verse seven, the writer of Hebrews helps us understand it, and he actually explains it. I want want you to hear verse seven. After talking about the discipline of God, he says this, endure hardship as discipline. Let that sink in. Endure the hardships, endure the difficulties, endure the stresses, endure the trials, endure the temptations even, but view them in a way that God is trying to develop something in you. That's the purpose of discipline is to develop something to develop something specific in you. So endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? When we go through hard times, we want to take control and we want to get resentful, don't we? God, why are you doing this? God, how could you? But why? We go through all of those. Can we do what Hebrews is telling us? And no, endure the hardships and view them as discipline because God's trying to develop something in you and in me. He's trying to change us in some way. Choose discipline over a resentful heart. I'm not willing to say like it only happens in these two ways, so don't misquote me. But in my life, I've seen God grow me and develop me and break me and change me in two different ways. Resting and wrestling. Resting, oh, we love the resting. That's the peace of God. That's the comfort of God. That's the come to me all who are weary and I will give you, what is it? Rest. Oh man, God has worked on my soul in seasons of rest where I have lost my way and I have to come to him and say, God, I need you to just hold me for a minute. Seasons of rest change us. Wrestling is a little bit different because it's a lot harder. It hurts. It's painful. You don't fully understand. You don't know how much longer it's going to go on. But don't miss what God is trying to teach you in seasons where you're wrestling with him. Don't just look for the resting. Lean into the wrestling because God is trying to develop something in you. Endure hardship as discipline. So here's the question. What is God trying to teach me right now? In my wrestling, in my difficulties, in my discipline, what is God trying to teach me? And am I opening my heart up to that? Or am I resentful? God, you can't tell me what to do. I've got this under control. Allow his discipline to change you and to develop you. Five choices. I told you they would go fast. I hope you listen quickly. But I hope one of those hit your heart that said, I've been wrestling between some of these choices. Because I believe in every single choice that we make through life, we're going to have to make these first. Because we ask questions all the time. Well, what should I do? And what about this job? And what about this budget? And what about our kids? And how in marriage? And how in parenting? And how in all of the issues we deal with in our world? We're asking a lot of questions on what we should do. Instead of starting there, can we go to these five questions? Start there. That I will choose to trust in God even when I don't understand. I will choose to surrender instead of trying to hold on to control. I'm going to choose what's right always every time instead of what's wrong I'm going to choose to be generous I'm going to choose to give what God has given me instead of holding back and holding on and I will choose a heart of discipline an open heart of discipline because I believe God still wants to change me into who he desires me to be start with those choices and we will see like we said earlier the choices lead us in a specific direction you make those choices they will lead you down the path of wisdom one last verse I want you to hear. And I would ask as I read this one, would you just close your eyes for me? Here in the room and at home. It's one sentence, but I think some choices need to be made here. Psalm 105, verse four. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Seek his face always. Keep your eyes closed for me. We're not going to do this perfectly. We've made a lot of wrong choices. We're going to make wrong choices. That's why we say we stumble in the right direction. But I want to give you a moment right here right now to turn your face towards God's face. To turn your heart towards Him. And one of those choices might need to be made today. To trust or to surrender. To end some sin in your life to be more generous, to accept some discipline. I don't know what your choice is, but would you be willing to turn towards his face, to seek his face always? Jesus, we come before you humbled, humbled that you would choose to walk this life with us, to walk this road of wisdom with us. And again, we will not do this perfectly. We will continue to make mistakes. But the next choice we make can be the right one. It can be the wise choice. So Jesus, would you stir in our hearts as we prayed earlier, would you be the loudest voice in our heart and mind right now? What choice do we need to make? I pray that we would trust you, trust you more than anyone or anything else, even when we don't fully understand. I pray that we would open our hands and submit and surrender to you instead of trying to hold on to everything ourselves. I pray that we would choose what's right regardless of what we think. We could even disagree with you, but may we choose what's right according to you because you are the ultimate authority. May we choose to give what you have first given us. And Jesus, would you change our lives? We choose to allow you to change our hearts to change our minds, to change us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.